my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Mark Moss Show where we talk about the decentralized revolution and the way the world is changing uh, from a world of centralization, central planning, central banking, to a world of decentralization, which means more power and control back into you as an individual, as an individual person, uh, getting away from central planning to individual planning, away from central banking and back to uh, unbanking or independent personal banking. Of course, we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And there's so much going on with all of that. So we try to keep up with the flow of information so we can see this. I know a lot of times I get thousands of messages a week across all my social media platforms, which by the way, if you're not following me on social media, please do. Uh, You can find me at one Mark Moss on most platforms. Or just go to my website at onemarkmoss.com, I'm sorry, just onemarkmoss.com, and I have all of it listed there. But I get thousands of comments a week across my social media. I try to get to uh, most of them if I can. Um, not all the ones on YouTube. There's just so many there. Uh, but uh, I try my best to get to as many as I can. And uh, the one thing that I see all the time is like, Mark, when is this going to happen? When will the dollar lose its status? When will the dollar collapse? When will the new system take over? Right? And it's, it's not when. It's not a process. It's an event. <laughs> Let me say that again. I said it backwards. Sorry. It's, 
<laughs> it's not an event, it's a process. What do I mean by that? So it's a process. It's that it goes uh, for over a long period of time. I think it was Mark Twain, forgive me if I'm wrong on this, uh, attribution of the quote, but they said, uh, how'd you go broke? And they said, I went broke gradually and then suddenly. And so there's like this gradually then suddenly kind of a thing. Um, and so if you look at the United States dollar, took over the took over the reserve status of the world reserve, world's reserve status from the pound sterling 100 years ago. But it didn't happen all at once. It was a process, not an event. It took. It happened over about a 40-year period where um, the UK just continued to destroy their currency by continuing to print more and more money, by devaluing it. And to the point where it was devalued so much they had to give up all their gold, the United States got all the gold and thereby was the strongest um, economy and the strongest currency in the world because it was backed by gold and thereby took over as the world's reserve currency. This was a long process, a 40-year process. Now, the pound sterling is still there today. It's still being used. So again, it's a process, not even a 40-year process before the U.S. dollar was kind of recognized as taking over, but it's still there today. So when do these things happen? They are happening right now. And that's exactly what we're looking at. Now, um, we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Those are the three cycles that are converging right now. Of course, the technology piece is Bitcoin, which is this decentralized technology that we need in order to really usher in this change that's happening. And it is here and it's happening and it's happening fast. Now, um, you know, one thing that uh, we look at when it comes to uh, Bitcoin is everybody likes to point to the fact that um you know, the price of Bitcoin is down. How good is this asset if the price is down? It's not a good medium of exchange. It's too volatile. It's not a good store of value because look how far it's off of their high. Well, those things are true. Um, I can't debate that. Now, we can look at the nuance of those things. So, for example, Bitcoin's holding up pretty dang good considering where other risk assets are. So, we could we could make, the, we could make that argument. Uh, we could say that... Um, it's been certainly a good store of value if you just zoom out and look over like a two-year period instead of a six-month period. So we can pick and choose our periods if we want to do that. But ultimately, what I would say is that when you're looking at new technologies, especially a technological revolution such as Bitcoin, you don't want to look at the price. I say this all the time. If you've been listening, uh, thank you for your support. Uh, but I've said this to you over and over and over, right? We don't look at the price. Imagine when Uber raised money to start building out in Silicon Valley. They, you know, they didn't go public for over a decade. So you didn't see the price of Uber changing every day based off of this new city picked them up, this city banned them, et cetera. And so when we're looking at something like Bitcoin, a technological revolution, we the, the price doesn't really give us the, the uh, true data. So what we want to look at is two things. We want to look at the growth of the network. So in Uber's case, are we getting more drivers? Are we getting more riders? Are we getting more cities? That's the growth of the network. Then we also want to look at the... Um, development happening on the network? Are they adding new services, Uber Eats, things like that? And so with Bitcoin, we can see the same thing. And one of the big telling signs is the gross growth of the network. And we saw this week that the difficulty gauge of Bitcoin rose by 13.5% from the last adjustment roughly two weeks ago. What does that mean? Well, that means that the Bitcoin mining difficulty has surged to an all-time high. What does that mean? There's more people mining Bitcoin. The network has grown to a level of all-time highs. There's more people actively working in the network and providing security to the network than there ever has been before. So while the price, the U.S. dollar value, might be down, first of all, 
If we price Bitcoin in Turkish Lira, for example, the price of Bitcoin is actually way up. So we have to look at what you're measuring it in. If you measure it in U.S. dollars, the price is down. But that's the thing we shouldn't really be paying attention to if we're trying to zoom out and see what's really going on. We want to look at the growth of the network, and we can see that it has grown massive. As a matter of fact, the current network hash rate, this is the amount of power that all the computers are using to secure the network, is, um, is 257 million terahashes per second. And last this time last year, it was around 140. So it went from 140 to 257 in 12 months. That is a massive rise in uh, power, uh, participation, and security on the Bitcoin network. Now, um, this difficulty adjustment, what does that mean? So what it means is that right now, um, there's way more people mining Bitcoin, bringing new Bitcoin in the space. And so what happens is it adjusts the difficulty. So what do I mean by that? So if uh, the price of gold shot up, you know, it's a, it's a whatever, 1600 bucks an ounce today, let's say it went up to 10,000 an ounce, a lot more people would go to mine gold, there'd be gold mines popping up all over the world, new equipment bringing as much gold as they could out of the ground. And that would increase the new supply of gold really fast, that would create inflation. <clears throat> but with Bitcoin, it's different. If Bitcoin jumps from its price today of a, roughly 20000 and say it went to 100000 like that, more people could jump in and mine, but there would be no new Bitcoin, no additional Bitcoin coming out. It would just It's just how much Bitcoin is split between the people that are there. So that's the difficulty adjustment. So about every two weeks, it adjusts that number, the ratio, the percentage of what people get. And so what happens is now people are making less and less money because there's so many people doing it, right? It's grown. So what happens is the people that aren't profitable, let's say they're paying, you know, 10 cents for their power, they have to turn their machines off. And when they turn their machines off, that's more Bitcoin for the rest of the miners. And then let's say the price keeps dropping. Well, the next batch of unprofitable miners have to drop off, and the people that are left get more of it, and so forth. And also, it works in opposite. And so as more people jump in, they get less of it. It works the same way. Which is why um, this week we saw Senator, Senator uh, Warren, Elizabeth Warren leads a congressional group's probe into Bitcoin mining, mining energy in Texas. Imagine a group of, uh, of uh, Democratic lawmakers from Washington, D.C. Senator, Senator, Senator Elizabeth Warren is from Massachusetts. Imagine them going to Texas, trying to tell Texas how to handle their power. Texas is not on the global grid. They have their own internal grid. So the fact that they're going to go there and try and demand the Texas answers to them is, is, is pretty funny. But really the whole thing behind it is, is uh, just shows the, a lack of uh, knowledge of what they're even talking about. Um, they say that uh, they, they, they express concerns that Bitcoin's uh, mining enormous demand for energy is straining the state's grid, adversely impacting consumers and climate goals. So Bitcoin has to have the cheapest power available. So Bitcoin can't compete for customers. It can't participate in California where it has to compete. It has to go where there's cheap power. Why is there cheap power in some places? Because there's surplus. There's energy being created that's not being used. And that's one of the reasons why Texas has picked up so much energy. And so, again, uh, we can see that this is growing at a rapid rate. We can see that the network is growing. We can see the development is growing on the network. And so instead of being focused on the U.S. dollar valuation price, we want to stay focused on those two things, the growth of the network and the development of the network. 
You're listening to The Mark Ma Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing from a world of centralization to decentralization through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. I got a big show. I got a lot of signposts that we're looking at to show us what's happening. I'm going to try and get through them all. I'll be back in, in a minute. Don't go away. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Ma Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is swinging from centralization to decentralization. And we're just looking through the signposts that we see. Um, you know, if you've been with me for the entire show, I was talking about inflation this week. The new inflation numbers came out. I want to look at it from a little bit of a different angle because what we're looking at is the breakdown of both Paul of, of, of three things, politics, finance, and then, of course, technology is the catalyst that changed that. And the financial system is breaking down. The, the political system is breaking down. We're going to look at both of those things, some big signposts that happened. But um, I was talking about earlier, I'm not going to dig super deep into it, 
go back and catch out the podcast, uh, the Mark Moss Show, just on your favorite podcast player, um, or uh, Market Disruptors on YouTube if you want to watch me and listen to me at the same time. But we talked about how the new CPI, Consumer Price um, Index, uh, the prices went back up again. As a matter of fact, it went up um, much higher than expected, surged to more than 8.2%. And, uh, you know, the core CPI strips out the food and energy, which is crazy uh, because those are the two things that we need the most. But even with stripping those things out, we still went up at the highest rate since 1982, surpassing the recent 6.4% highs that we hit in February and March. Now, even worse than that is that uh, economists had expected the rate increase to be much, much less than it was. But what we're seeing now, the monthly figures show that it's actually accelerating. And of course, the Federal Reserve is trying to decelerate. The, the Federal Reserve is trying to tackle it. They're trying to get it back down to 2%, but instead, it's going back up. It's a big problem. Now, um, the news sent the stock futures price plunging, right? The investors um, revised their views of what the Fed's next moves will be. So everybody's waiting for this pivot, the pivot, the pivot. When will the Fed stop raising rates? When will the, Peds, the Fed start easing the monetary supply again? And so we're waiting for this move, and everybody thought that maybe, just maybe, if we started seeing the inflation numbers come down, they would pivot sooner than later, maybe this year. I was thinking maybe this year. But it looks like, based off of this new data that came out, this is probably not going to be the case. But let's talk about it from a different angle than I've already talked about it from before. So what, is, what does this mean? Well, it means lots of things, right? We could sit here and talk about all the different angles and all the things that it means. But one of the things that it means is that um, because CPI has been um, revised up, um, what it means is that the cost of living goes up. We've talked about that. I'm not going to dig super deep into that, but the cost of you um, having to buy gas for your car or food for your grocery cart has gone up. Your cost of living has gone up. Now, part of the thing that the BLS does by providing this number, the CPI data number, is it shows the cost of living, which then the Social Security Administration uses to decide how much money to distribute out to Social Security recipients. And this is a big deal, and it might be a big problem. And so what we're talking about is that Social Security payments are now set for a really, really, really big increase. And so it looks like tens of millions of Americans on Social Security are about to get what may be the biggest raise of their lifetime. All right, it says the U.S. government is set to announce how big a percentage increase Social Security beneficiaries will see in monthly payments this upcoming year. It's certain to be the largest in four decades. So the largest raise, pay raise, that these uh, Social Security beneficiaries get. Now, there's plenty of controversy accompanies that move, it says, um, known as a cost of living adjustment or COLA, C-O-L-A, cost of living adjustment. Now, critics say the data the government uses to set the increase doesn't reflect what older Americans are actually spending and thus the inflation they're actually feeling. Yes, we've talked about extensively over and over and over how manipulated that number is. So yes, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really reflect what they're paying. So many of the tricks they do, so for example, they have something um, that basically um, adjusts it by, by swapping out items. So um, you know, the cost of living index, the CPI, used to include steak, and now it just includes hamburger. You still get meat. And so thereby, since we went from steak to hamburger, um, the price didn't go up. As a matter of fact, it went down. 
Um, they also do something based off of performance. So let's say that um, they uh, changed gasoline, and now gasoline is supposed to be cleaner or more fuel efficient. They'll say, well, because the performance went up in the gasoline, we're not going to include the, the cost of it going up. Because your computer got more powerful, um, we're not going to count the cost increase of the computer, which is insane because <laughs> we still have to put the money out. Our cost of living still went up. There's lots of controversy. I could spend an entire show talking about all of that, and I will if you want me to. So hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss and let me know if you think I should. Um, but we can see that, as they're saying, lots of controversy because it doesn't reflect what people are actually spending. And also because the increase is a one-size-fits-all, which means beneficiaries get the same raise regardless of where they live. So, for example, if you live in Southern California, that pay raise may not be near enough than it would be if you lived in South Dakota or something like that or Kansas, right? Or another country. Now, I've been doing a lot of work with um, international diversification. I was recently speaking at the Nomad Capitalist event down in uh, Mexico City. And I can tell you that if you're, if you're on Social Security and your budget is tight, you might want to consider moving out of the country. You can move to Turkey. You can move to Colombia. You can move to Brazil. And you could have a 10x quality of your life for less money than you pay now. You can have a full-time cook and a full-time cleaner and a full-time chauffeur and a beautiful house for like $2,000 a month. So your social security would go much further. Um, so anyway, payments are going to go up, which is good Which is good if you're on social security. I mean, everybody wants more money, sure. Um, it looks like those payments will begin probably in about January. Um, they'll be permanent. Um, now, since uh, the year 2000, the typical increase has been about 2 2.5%. But now with the numbers of inflation, it looks like that's going to be 400% more, 500% more, which is going to be a pretty big deal. But what does this mean in bigger sense? All right, This is pretty interesting. So um, if you haven't been paying attention, you probably should. It's something I kind of pay attention to because I'm... I would, you know, I've paid into Social Security my whole life. At some point, maybe I'd want to pull out of it. But it looks like um, Social Security is set to run out by 2034. 2034. That's 12 years from now. Hmm. So that means that there's probably not going to be any Social Security by the time I get to the age in time to start drawing from that. And so uh, it's already set to, this was, uh, this was actually in February of this year, um, they said it's going to set to run out. And now they're going to have to pay out even more money, which means they're going to run out even sooner. So that's a big problem. So, of course, there's plenty of reasons why they want to manipulate the numbers to keep the Social Security number down. The cost of living increases down so they don't have to pay out more money so they don't run out even faster than they were, what they were planning on. And that's going to be a big problem. So if you're planning on Social Security um, in the next, you know, after 12 years from now, you should probably adjust what you're doing. Come up with Plan B. Um, because it's going to be a big problem. And, and what's, what's exaggerating the problem is also the ability to even earn any money uh, with interest rates so low, um, the economy crashing, um, and so forth. It's going to be a big problem. Anyway, that's it with Social Security. Um, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We were just talking about how this centrally planned system that we have created by the Federal Reserve and Social Security and all that, it is coming to an end. It's coming to an end. 
Um, that may be doom and gloom for some people, but I'd rather know than not know. Um, we're looking at it typically through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. I have a lot more to go um, in those three subjects. When I come back in a minute, I'm going to take a quick break, but I'll be back. You don't want to miss what's coming up next. So I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Ma Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing right now. Now, <laughs> it's clear. <laughs> if you're living in this world, you know it's changing. The world as we are going into is not the one we've left behind. And we know that um, when we look back through thousands of years of history, we can see these cycles change. The world ebbs and flows, and we're moving from a period of centralization, central planners, central government, central banking, into a world of decentralization. Of course, we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology, and we can see that this uh, the, the end of the financial era that we've known is coming to an end. I talk about it extensively. Uh, maybe the world went into, well, 5,000 years, gold was money. Um, then the whole world went into this new um, financial agreement in 1944 under the Bretton Woods Agreement. Um, where we still had the gold being money, but now the dollar was pegged to gold and other currencies were pegged to the dollar. And so we still kind of had this um, commodity-based money. In 1971, though, President Richard Nixon severed the ties um, to the gold standard, so removed the dollar's backing to gold. And so since then, the world has been in free fall. We've been about 51 years into a financial experiment. 
And we went from uh, Bretton Woods 1, started in 1944, potentially we could say 1971, led us to Bretton Woods 2, unofficially. Uh, we went into this uh, basically fiat monetary system that we have today. And now it is changing again. And we can see that it's coming to an end. We're only 51 years into this financial experiment, an anomaly. An anomaly throughout history where thousands and thousands of years, pretty much all of recorded history, um, gold has been money. And now we're in this kind of fake fiat monetary system. And we can see how fast this is unraveling. And so it's easy to see that it doesn't have much more legs. Now, the central banks, the Federal Reserve has been pretty good about pulling some rabbits out of the hat, pretty good at pulling some magic tricks. However, um, you know, kicking the can down the road, so to speak, we don't know how many more they have. Potentially they have more, but we can see that it is getting dire. I want to look at a couple things that I'm looking at that kind of show this. And 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 so the point of seeing these signposts is trying to understand um, when, when this happens. So we saw this week the IMF slashes, not just cuts, not just reduces, but slashes global growth estimates, warning, unfortunately, I hate to tell you, warning that the worst is yet to come, they say. You think things are bad now? Oh, just wait, they're about to get even better. Oh, no, worse, they say. The global economy is headed for, quote, stormy waters, end quote, the International Monetary Fund said this week. It cut its projection for growth next year and warned that high inflation was worsening living conditions. So you think it's bad for you in the United States. What about other countries where they're seeing prices go up by double, 100% in months, and they already live on three or $4 a day? Imagine that. Um, it says here that uh, the global economy will grow 2.7% in 2023, down from a projected 3.2% this year and 6% in 2020. So it's growing way down, 6% in 2020, going down to 2.7%. Just um, so, so think about that for a second. Actually, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that on pause. I'll come back to that. It says the global economic activity is experiencing a broad-based and sharper than expected. <laughs> it's always more than they expected, right? All these PhDs, all these economists, all this data, and <laughs> they just can't ever seem to get it right. Um, of course, they can't tell you what the weather's going to be like next week. They can't tell you what uh, is going to happen with inflation. How the heck are they going to tell you what the weather's going to be like in 100 years from now? Just stop and think about that for a second. But let's keep going here. Uh, global economic activity is experiencing a broad-based and sharper-than-expected slowdown. We didn't expect for it to get this bad. Uh, you know, we thought we'd just shut the whole economy down and then turn it back on again. And then we have too much inflation, so we'll shut it back down again. But we didn't expect it to be this bad. Uh, with inflation higher than seen in several decades. Who would have thought? It's, it's, it's sharper than expected, they say. Now, it says here that the IMF sees global inflation hitting 8.8% for 2022. That's up from 4.7% last year. So 8.8% inflation globally. Now, uh, this means that in some places it goes up less. In some places it goes up way more. But let's just look at this global number that the IMF is putting out. So they're expecting inflation to go up by 8.8%. They're expecting the global economy to grow by 2.7%. So that means, yes, we are growing much slower. We're producing way less goods and services. Your wealth is going up way slower than the cost of living. That means everybody in the world, on the entire globe's cost of living, or I should say uh, quality of life, standard of living is going down because we're growing 
much, much slower, 2.7%, much, much slower than um, inflation is at 8.8%. They said, the IMF said, quote, monetary policy should stay the course. Look, things are, they, they just said here, um, they said, uh, experiencing sharper than expected slowdowns. So they didn't expect things to be this bad. But never mind, never mind. We didn't expect for them to be this bad. It's way worse than anybody thought. Um, but never mind. Stay the course. Stay the course. Uh, fiscal policy should aim to alleviate the cost of living pressures while maintaining a sufficiently tight stance aligned with monetary policy. So let's, let's break that down. So we have monetary policy and we have fiscal policy. What's the difference? Monetary policy is what the central banks do. Monetary policy, what the central banks increase the monetary supply, the base, the money base. But it's not super effective because all they can do is give reserves to the banks. Now, money doesn't really get printed by the Federal Reserve, like the meme says, and like I say all the time, I hope you understand that. Money isn't printed by the Federal Reserve. Money is actually created by the banks. So the Federal Reserves give their reserves to the banks. Now, the banks create the money into existence by issuing loans. But if you and I don't borrow, if I don't go get a car loan, an auto loan, a house loan, an RV loan, a boat loan, a credit card, if I don't borrow, then no new money is created. And if no banks want to loan me money, no money is created. So that's monetary policy. Fiscal policy is what the government does. Fiscal policy is sending out you money for welfare or UBI. Fiscal policy is them giving you uh, food stamps and, and all these other things. That's fiscal policy. So what they're saying is that fiscal policy should aim to alleviate the cost of living pressures. Hmm, how could they do that? So what they're saying is that as prices keep going up, meaning your gas prices, your energy prices, as they keep going up, then fiscal policy should continue to work to offset that. But if they increase the money supply to help you with your high gas prices or energy prices or food prices, then that means you don't buy less. That means you continue buying the same amount, which means the demand's still there. And if the demand is still there while the supply goes down, doesn't that mean prices keep going up? <laughs> I mean, the thinking here, I mean, it just amazes me. So um, the Fed is trying to crush demand. They want to make you broke so you can't afford these things anymore. But the IMF is saying that fiscal policy should aim to alleviate those costs of living pressures. How? By giving you money. So while the Fed is trying to make you more poor, then that's the monetary policy is making you poor. The fiscal policy should be giving you money. But where do they get the money from? Oh, yeah, they create it. <laughs> Do you see what they're dealing with here? And you can start to see very quickly why they are out of moves. They are out of moves. Somehow, they're, per the IMF, they are supposed to uh, restore price stability. So monetary policy should stay the course to restore price stability by crushing demand to take away your money. But fiscal policy should alleviate that while maintaining a sufficiently tight stance aligned with monetary policy. But they work against each other because the monetary policy is trying to make you more poor so you don't buy as much. But the fiscal policy wants to give you the money of the difference so you can continue to buy the stuff that you always had. Um, there's eight stages of a democracy, about a 250-year lifespan of a democracy. I'm not going to tell you all the final stages, all the stages, but the final stages are um, intellectualism, um, decadence, which I think you've seen that. Then it goes to dependence, which is what they're talking about, and then ultimately bondage. Those are the last four stages. 
You can guess which stage we're in. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing from centralization to decentralization through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And we can see that it is crumbling right now. I want to show you more about what's happening with society because of these things when I come back. i got a lot to cover. I'll be back in a second. Don't go away. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Ma Show, talking about the decentralized revolution, the way... the way the world's changing from a centralized world, central planning, central banking into a decentralized world. And at the end of this, and I, and before the break, I talked about the eight stages of a democracy or an empire, and the four final stages are intellectualism. People, we have so much money and so much wealth that people just sit around and think tanks all day imagining this future world with no real world um, ties, right? So intellectualism. Which then leads to abundance, um, like people buying uh, board apes for $60 million or whatever. Uh, there was like uh, someone who bought like an invisible piece of art for like $18 million. I think that pretty, <laughs> pretty well highlights the age of decadence. Um, then we lead to dependence. A dependence is the, the, the fiscal policy. The government has to step in and help you, UBI, welfare, food stamps, etc. And then that leads to bondage, where now I'm dependent on the government, and so now I have to do whatever they say. But it's the, it's the perversion, the distortion of these monetary policies that we're dealing with right now. And we can see it happen. Uh, see it manifesting itself all throughout society. As a matter of fact, what we can see all over the place, I'm, I'm coming to you from California, and we are seeing a massive problem with this in California, but it's even worse in other areas, and that is the rise of violent crimes like we just haven't seen before. It's just insane. 
And I was looking at this report this week of uh, examined crime data from Baltimore, Chicago, Los Angeles, New York City, Philadelphia, C- Seattle, and Washington, D.C. I don't know why they didn't put San Francisco on there. That certainly would have should have changed things. But we got Los Angeles, so California is well represented. Uh, but when we look at the data, not the narratives, I'm going to talk about the narratives in a second, but let's look at the data itself right here. And so when we examine the crime data from those cities, Baltimore, Chicago, Los Angeles, New York City, Philadelphia, Seattle, Washington, D.C., at just those cities, we found that violent crimes have increased anywhere from 5% up to 40%. All right? Now, these are violent crimes. All right? These are definitely the crimes you don't want to uh, have happen to you. Let's just say that. Uh, I mean, not that you, have, you want to have any crime happen to you or in your area, but these are ones that are they're violent. Um, and it says they've reached unprecedented numbers in the last two years, with murders increasing by nearly 30%. 30%. That's a big number. Man. Uh, It says New York City has so far seen the largest increase in violent crimes out of the cities, a 40.6 increase compared to 2021, a 40%, 43,000 violent crime incidents um, compared to uh, so far this year compared to last year's 30,000. So big, big, big increase. Chicago shows similar data detailing an increase in violent crimes a 35% increase compared to last year's records. Wow. 35%, 40%. This is not a small, this is not a small percentage of change. This is a massive percentage of change. Um, Chicago, Chicago has recorded, uh, at the time of this report, 194 homicides on the year, um, which went down. It actually went down. Good job, Chicago. It went down. Um, it's, um, 194 instead of 207. <laughs> it went down. I mean, good job. Better than going up by 40%. I'd hardly call that progress, though. What about uh, violent crimes in Seattle? In Seattle, they've shot up 23% so far just this year. 23% this year. Homicides have increased by more than 54%. Homicides. 54%. Citywide shootings and shots fired increased by 80 I'm going to say that one again. This is Seattle. Homicides are up 54% and citywide shootings and shots fired have increased by 82%. That is just insanity. Um, Los Angeles. Um, Los Angeles isn't doing so well. Seeing crimes rise in all three categories. Violent crime shot up by 6.7%, which don't sound so bad compared to Seattle. Violent crimes are up 23%. Uh, we see homicides increased by 1.6% versus Seattle's 54%. Uh, we saw shots fired increased by 1.5%, um, up by 82% in Seattle. So LA is not looking so bad. Now, I will say that um, there's a lot more crime going in Los Angeles than is in this report. This is just violent crimes, shots fired, homicides, etc., um, they've decriminalized a lot of stuff in Los Angeles. So while we're seeing a lot of violent crime, uh, it's just not called violent crime anymore. So they changed that. Um, Washington, D.C., total violent crimes increased by 21%. Homicides inc- only only increased by 4%. Not only, but still 4%. Um, Philadelphia, violent crimes have increased by almost 5%. 
You get the idea. I could sit here and keep reading this data to you, but why, why, why is crime rising so hard? I mean, every day, obviously depending on where you're looking, uh, but uh, if, if you go on Twitter at all, you can see this stuff. It's all boots on the ground reporting. And you can see every single day are new attacks at airport baggage claims, um, subway stations, you know, convenience stores, um, et cetera. I mean, every single day I see this information uh, I see these videos of this stuff happening. Why? Well, it's happening for a bunch of reasons. Ultimately, it comes from a breakdown in the money supply. It perverts everything. It also has to do with uh, the incentives. So, you know, when people are broke, they 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 act out for sure. Um, the Democrats want to blame um, red states. They say it's it's the red states. Um, California Governor Newsom, Gavin Newsom, recently said he was going to break down, quote, America's red state murder problem, which is pretty funny uh, that he would say that. It's the soft on crime policies that seem to be the problem. As a matter of fact, this week we saw a report about these green goblins. If you've heard about this, I had just heard about this. This is in New York. These green goblin games, they show up into the in, um, dressed um, in these like green tight suits, like a, and they call themselves green goblins, and they show up in gangs. Uh, neon green full body suits and they attack people on the subways and uh, they attack people on the subways and steal from them assault them things like that and then they just walk right out of jail so there was a Mariam Isof, 26 years old, a member of this uh, Green Goblin crew assaulted and robbed two teens on the subway on October 2nd charged with violent felony and then no bail just walked right out she walked out of the court um and so what's happening is that we're soft on crime and we're continuing to release these people. And if there's no consequence to you beating people up and stealing from them, from them, then what do you think happens? That's right. More people getting beat up and more people stealing from them. That's exactly what happens. The society is breaking down. The world is changing. The world that we have known is not the world that we are going into any longer. We can see California home to California's home to three of the ten worst cities for retail crime, and this is kind of what I was talking about. Um, they've decriminalized a lot of this, and so now it's home to three. The state has three of the ten worst cities for retail crime. Smash and grabs pla plague the state, as they say. According to the National Retail Federation, three California cities are among the ten most affected cities for organized retail crime. Those are Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Sacramento. Of course. Um, very, 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 very blue hotbeds for sure. Um, and it makes it very difficult for store owners to be there. So, of course, what happens? Then the stores break down. The stores have to close up. The stores close up. The people that have any money don't want to live in a violent area and especially don't want to live in an area that's violent and has no stores or services available because all the stores have to close up. And what do they do? They move out of the area. We've talked about this before in terms of San Francisco, and it's caused a massive massive problem. What's happening here in California is we have the rise of these uh, flash mob style robberies. And um, they used to just show up in a flash mob and start dancing and singing. And now they show up and start robbing. So um, again, this is a direct result of the monetary system breaking down. And it shows just how quickly the system that we know is going to change. Now, um, change is hard, change is scary, uh, but I believe we need the change and what's on the other side of it is good, it's hopeful. Um, some of this information is bad, I get it, I'm sorry, it's not doom and gloom, there is hope. 
what we're seeing is coming to an end, and there is hope on the other end. You're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the, the, the way the world is changing from centralization, central planning, this failing us, into a world of decentralization, back into a system like we used to have. Uh, this really affects the entire world, no matter where you're at. This is a big, big, big deal. You're listening to the Mark Moss Show. That's what I got for you this week. Thanks so much for listening. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.